0: Coming up next, Booking It Reads, my main man, Tremaine comma Johnny. Wait, what? Johnny Tremaine.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Yeah. Hey
0: everybody, and welcome to Booking It, where four Christian homeschoolers discuss books. I'm your humble and eloquent host, Cooper Cobbs, and I'm joined today but my good friend Matthew Killingsworth, how you doing, Matthew? Howdy, I'm good. Uh, for those of you who listen every week, uh, you know there are two more people on this podcast. Uh, Isaiah, he is—he's been working hard this week, and he had to catch up on some school. Being a good man, right, Matthew?
1: Mm-hmm. Except that he missed this.
0: So yeah, that's okay. We don't judge. We don't judge here. Tanner, meanwhile, is on vacation.
1: All right, so Cooper, I got a question for you. I'm looking at the script here. And it says
0: Baggage, now called History Books. Would you like to explain this? Uh, Welcome to a segment I like to call History Books, formerly called Baggage. We're changing the name because History Books is way better. And it goes with kind of the theme of the podcast. Wouldn't you agree, Matthew? Matthew, <laughs> give me your History Books with Johnny Tremaine. Or, yeah, let's open the History Book of Matthew's History with Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> That's so bad. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying give me your baggage, okay? Just give me, give me, the, give me the history.
1: All right. So my history with this book, Johnny Tremaine, is I had to read it for school, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. It was like two weeks ago, what something like that. Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, that's. I mean, is yours any different?
0: Yeah, it is. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Cooper, yeah. tell us about your story.
0: Yeah, so Johnny Tremaine, you know, um, it's been on. Okay, no pun intended. It's been on my bookshelf for a long time. You know, um, not on mine, but like on the school bookshelf outside. Uh, I my room, and mom has always been like, dude, you gotta read Johnny Tremaine, and I was all <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I don't really want to read Johnny Tremaine, and then she took me <laughs> to a friend's house, and mom like, told the friend's mom about me not wanting to read Johnny Tremaine, and she was like, Jonathan, which was the uh, my friend's older brother, tell Cooper how much you like Johnny Tremaine, he's like, "Uh, it gets better, it gets better, but uh, I, I still didn't really believe him, even though I, you know, anyway. Uh A couple years later, I picked up and tried to read the introduction. Well, it was in the first chapter, and i uh, I think I made it past like the first paragraph, and I kind of failed um but this was like a few years ago, so i, I don't think I really would have liked this book even if I had read it a few years ago but then um, uh, I read school two weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh, I have to read Johnny Tremaine, you know, but I was you know being a more mature self um I was oh, more yeah. like so much i was I was more like, yeah, I think I can read this now, and I read it. And I actually enjoyed it more, way more than I thought I would. So that's kind of why. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is my favorite book we've had to read for school this favorite year. Favorite book? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would say it's a close first over Call of the Wild. I think. Yeah. yeah. I agree. This one's just, it's pretty dense. It's pretty dense. Mm-hmm. So, what are your opening thoughts, though, on Giant Germain?
1: I like, um, I like all the history in it. And, like, I know it's historical fiction, but there's still a lot of historical accuracy. In it. Yeah. I thought that was good. And like how he like how uh involved they made him with all the stuff going on in Boston and with all the other leaders and like founding fathers whose names you've probably heard. You know, like yeah, Sam, you're probably Samuel like, Adams, Paul Revere, yeah. all those guys.
0: You're probably like, How did I hear about this Johnny Tremaine guy that I, I know. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's literally what it is. I mean, because 'cause you're like, gosh, I feel like I could be there. Yeah, no, they definitely drop you right in the middle of the time zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think that it's actually, it's, it's well-written, even though it's a dense. But oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. It's good. Um, I think she perfectly captures Boston at the time of the revolution. I think mm-hmm. that's great. Speaking of she, Matthew, you have some background on Esther Forbes, the author of Johnny Tremaine.
1: Esther Forbes' parents' names were William and Harriet Merrifield, uh, uh, or, sorry, her, her mom's name was Harriet Merrifield Forbes. And uh, she was born on June 28, 1891, um, in Westboro, Ooh, 1800. Massachusetts. I know, yeah, way back then. And uh, so she wrote Johnny Tremaine on December 8, 1941. Or no, that's when she started writing it. But that's right um, after Pearl Harbor. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, sorry. History gig, go ahead, Matthew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she started on December 8, 1941, and she wrote it for the next two, two years until she published it in 1943. Um, she went to school at Bradford College and she died on August 12th in 1967.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. So. so. Um I, this is I haven't looked it up. I meant to look it up, but I think that at some schools this is like essential reading for fifth graders. I think so. And I think that would Johnny sense, I think. Uh, yeah. I think Johnny Tremaine is kind of like a bronze bow. I think that you would appreciate it. If you read it a later in life, then like fifth grade, because I don't think if I had read John Tremaine in fifth grade, and even Bronze Bow in fifth grade, I did not think that I would have liked either of them in fifth grade. What about you? What do you think about that? Yeah, I didn't read Bronze Bow until seventh grade. Yeah.
1: So same. Well, I I liked it okay then actually. I liked Really? It, yeah. yeah, I liked Bronze Bow in seventh grade, but I don't think I would have a couple years before.
0: Yeah, mom read this out loud like when I was, I don't know, third grade maybe, and I don't think I liked it as much as I did when I read it last year. No, two years ago. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that I I really enjoyed The Bronze bone I definitely would not have in fifth grade. I think the same as Johnny Jermaine. But uh, uh-huh. why do you think that you would not have liked Johnny Jermaine in fifth grade? Because of how long it is and um, how
1: – I've never really liked history that much, even historical fiction, until yeah. – like i don't know the last few years now i think it's pretty interesting and that's part of the reason why i like the book so much a big reason actually and uh but back then i remember liking uh the rush revere books oh, have yeah. you read those yeah yeah uh i, I love those books and that was pretty much the only his, history or historical fiction that i liked at that point
0: yeah yeah i mean i think you know if you read the rule like don't let your kid read the book if the protagonist or the main character is, like, within two years of them. It's not within two years of them, I mean. Have you heard that rule before? No, have I heard that? Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of at least, homes, homeschool moms won't like. So Johnny Tremaine is, what, 14, 15, 16 in the book, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, fifth grade, they're probably, like, 9, 10. I think that just a lot of the issues that he faces, like, you know, even Scylla and uh, just a lot of the other stuff. That he goes through, I think, would hit more strongly with the older person and with a younger person. What do you think? That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know if it shouldn't allow them to read it, but I think yeah, they'll no, I just like make it better. It, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll make them like it better at that age. Mm. Yeah. So, John Tremaine, silversmith, right? Yeah. Throughout the whole book, Johnny, he always uh, he always thinks I'm made for a silversmith. You know, a couple of times, it, only a silversmith can do or, you know, stuff like that. Do you uh-huh. think that he uh sorry, do you think that people are made for like certain professions? Um or, you know they just I mean all of all of the talents. Well, talent everyone's
1: made everyone's made for a purpose, yeah. So I mean, but only God knows that. So he thought he knew and he had like all the pride and he was so like proud of himself to be a smil- silversmith and he liked to brag about how good he was and he was you know, everyone envied him and everything and yeah. he loved all the fame that he got from it, but Um, that's because he thought he knew what God's plan was for him, but he didn't. Only God knows. So, I think, yes, everyone is made for something, but they don't
0: always know what that is until God chooses to reveal it. it. How much do you think uh, of what profession you end up being is God-given, and how much is like your own hard work? Um, I think it's all God-given.
1: In what way? Like... Even if you worked really hard, God could still, you know, cause you to get in a car wreck at any random point or anything, you know. like, yeah, every day, every day, thing, like, every day is God. Every given. everything is God given. So. so even your
0: hard work is God given. Right. But yeah, that makes sense. He he
1: made you he made your body able to do the hard work that you do or like. Right. Like, it, even in Johnny Tremaine's example, like, uh, his body was perfect I and mean, he had built up his body to be a silversmith yeah. until he got the injury on his hand and burnt his hand in such a way that he couldn't uh, hold a hammer anymore right and so and, and like it was it was god given that he had the ability up till then and then even the injury we find out was god given because it benefited him in other ways
0: Mm-hmm. yeah i mean at the end of the book hey spoiler alert people this is spoiler he uh so in the beginning you know he gets his hand injured at the end. He gets it healed, right? Um, and I think that, that sh- the ending is not great. I'm going to go ahead and say that. The ending is not great. You know what? What do you yeah. think of the ending? What do you think of the ending, Matthew?
1: Yeah, it's not the vest. Um yeah. But I'm not too salty about it. I think the book was good enough. That, yeah. I mean, because, like, how are they going to end a story about the beginning of re- the Revolutionary War well unless they end it at the end of the Revolutionary War? So, <laughs> I mean, they had to just kind of cut it off at some point. Or she had to just yeah. cut it off at some point.
0: But it's more the fact that like he gets his hand back and they don't do anything with that, and mm. it's more of like a well, um, I sure hope he becomes a silversmith again, but <laughs> you know you never know, right? Yeah. You know he might marry Silla or he, he might not. You never know. You yeah. know. <laughs> I think that's also really frustrating for younger kids too. So John Tremaine working on a son. Well, actually, let's go back a bit. So uh, John Tremaine is apprentice to the lap Mr. Lapium, the silversmith. And he seemed to think that piety or religion and patriotism were mutually exclusive, or in other words, could not coexist. Do you think he was right in this? What do you think? Um, patriotism, patriotism wait, and religion,
1: and religion or er, piety. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think how he thought about it was necessarily true.
0: Explain your thoughts.
1: Well. Like think about it like this. So. What if there's somebody on a, on a Sunday who's out of food in their house and they're really hungry and they need to go to the store to get more food, but if all the people that work at stores are like it's Sunday, I'm not going to work at a store. Because no, that's n-
0: that's not what we're talking about. Like, the, he's saying like you couldn't be like a patriot in like the way that you're passionate for your country or something like that, and you're willing to kind of. Uh, they used it kind of like a uh, a, sl- a slang word kind of here. Uh, I guess that's the word you should use. But like in, in religion, like mutually exclusive. Like it couldn't be both of those at the same time.
1: I don't think that's true. Yeah.
0: Because the like part of the reason why they even
1: like went to the new world in the first place was because they wanted freedom of religion. And that was one of the first laws they established like in, in the Constitution and in the um, – And it was the first amendment to the constitution too, was freedom of religion and freedom of speech. So, like, I mean,
0: he's saying that you can't be a patriot and you can't be religious at the same time. Is that true? I don't think so. Okay.
1: Because you can be religious in anything you do. Right. Do you disagree?
0: No, I'm just asking because you kind of went a little bunny trail each time. That's okay so you you kind of went on one of those like two uh like working on Sundays because he gets uh he's he was working on a Sunday when he burns his hand. Do you think that working on Sundays should be allowed or do you think it should be restricted by the government
1: um I think it should be allowed mm-hmm. why because it's necessary, and like football players like their job their work is to play football, so if they weren't allowed to work, then <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't see fun- Sunday night football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how was the Sabbath... So back then, you know, the Sabbath, you could not, like, work on Sabbath. It was very strict. How was the Sabbath, like, revered and protected today?
1: I mean, it's not very much at all in comparison to back then, but, like, I guess a lot, a lot of people still go to church.
0: Yeah. I mean, or, I don't I mean, do... I don't know, do some businesses... Do they? Are they yeah, do like, they have like to Chick offer a, Sunday. Chick Fil A yeah. closes. Yeah, that's what side. I was thinking. I was like, "That's punishment enough, right there." Yeah. you know, that's reverence <laughs> enough, right there. <laughs> Chick Fil A closes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, but you think that Christianity itself should be a matter of government or not?
1: Um. If if Christianity should be a matter of government.
0: Yeah, like it should. Know. Should it be con- okay? Why like, not? I don't.
1: I don't think they should force people to be Christians. If that's what you're asking.
0: Or or the other way around. Yeah, that
1: another way around. But I'm not saying... I mean, I I obviously think every member of the government should be a Christian, because...
0: You think it should be a requirement? No, I don't think it
1: should be a requirement. I'm just saying they should, because that's what
0: God wants for them, so... Yeah. So, throughout the book, especially in the beginning, John Tremaine is just so arrogant. He's, He's bragging, he's skillful as a smith, silversmith, you know, but what's the difference between, like, having a pride in your work and arrogance in your work? Okay, so pride, having a pride in your
1: work is kind of, like, a little bit more or just, like, a, a more extreme example of just loving your work and, like, um, being thankful that your body can do what your work requires and, like... Um, but having arrogance is like kind of what Johnny got to the point of doing after those couple of years working there, after he was really skillful and he knew it, he he wanted to make sure everyone else knew it too, and that's arrogant, and he shouldn't have done that, because there's yeah, nothing like, wrong. There's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself for doing something or accomplishing something or getting really good at something, but when you're bragging about it and making right. a big deal about it and trying to show it off, then that's kind of arrogant.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I think, like, some of the best authors or I guess you would go ahead and say, like, craftsmen in, like, really broad category, right? All of those, all the best craftsmen, authors, painters, you know, uh, silversmiths, uh, cra- you know, um, carpenters, they're mm-hmm. all the best when they're so humble, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I just think that some of the authors, when they wrote their book, they didn't know it was going to be some masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um... I don't think Tolkien knew that The Hobbit was gonna sell you know millions of copies. Lord of the Rings is gonna sell millions of copies. Mm-hmm. He just he's like I I have I have a story to tell or the silversmith I I want to make this you know and they make it and they're proud because hey I I did it I made it you know and then you know it could when you or you, you know like in the case of like a book or something like that if it becomes popular and you brag about it then then you're being arrogant you know? like I am on the top of the world and I know it you know but when you're uh-huh. just being a humble craftsman. And you take pride in your work, but you don't let it go to your head and you don't tell, you know, brag about other people. I think that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Anything else to say about that? Nope. So, let's move on. We meet the character Rab. I like that name. What do you think about Mm. the name Rab? It's it's a good name. I thought it was a little weird when he named the baby Rabbit, like
1: after that. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't as good as just Rab. What do you think Rab stood for? Was that just his name or do you think it was like.
0: Robert. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah I was thinking I think like it was just Robert. But like, no, I think yeah. that's just Rev.
0: Honestly. Yeah. But uh besides his name being drawn well, what about the character? You think he's drawn well? Do you think he's believable, realistic?
1: I don't know. I don't know. He might be a little too perfect of a person to be realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? But I feel like at, at, when you very first meet him, he is like a perfect person. Like, but like, how on earth is he that kind of guy? But like then, uh throughout the book like by the time he leaves like you've seen more sides of him and like you've seen him get annoyed and stressed out and angry and like at first it seems like he never gets angry he's just like the most right. chill person but then you start to see more of him throughout the book
0: I think we can all think of that person you know that you think oh gosh they're just they're perfect but you know mm-hmm. you really have to say like they, they have to do they you know, they have to, they, everybody sins right everybody gets mm-hmm. angry it's just hard to see sometimes but yeah I think yeah, I it's think just, it's, I think it's when
1: yeah, when people have really good self-control. Yeah. Like, that's what that's what I thought of when we first met Rab in the book. Mm-hmm. It was just like, that guy has a lot of self-control. Cause, Definitely. Because he knows more than so many other people. Because yep. he's just around, like, the central of, of the whole, like, Boston uh, yep. ob- Observatory. Is that what it's called?
0: Uh, uh, oh, observer, Obs- observer. Boston Observer. Yeah, the newspaper. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, like, it's also kind of like the Rebel base type thing in Boston. Yep. So he gets to hear a lot of stuff and he knows a lot of stuff, but he just remains calm and just, yeah. Yeah.
0: When uh, Johnny first meets Rab, he says that. So when Johnny meets Rab, you know, he's looking for a job since he can't be a silversmith anymore. Right. And he says when he first meets Rab that for the first time since his injury, he was able to kind of stand aside from his problems and essentially, like, see himself in a new perspective. Why do you think Rab made him do that? Or why did he affect um, that?
1: Because I th- I just, I remember him asking, like, some carefully placed questions, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, he just made him think about his own life, kind of, and made him think about what was more important and what was less important. And he was kind to him and gave him food he offered to let him, like, share his little um, attic room if he needed a place to sleep. And he right. offered him
0: a job there, too, so. Right. Yeah, I just I like that scene where, uh, Rab's uncle is like Johnny's like, hey sir, can I uh, can I work for you? And he's like, hey Rab, can uh, can this guy can he ride a horse? He's so like, learn he learned yes. to ride a horse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, well the Rab said it, it has to be true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah.
1: And and then Rab is wearing the white shirt and comes back in. and The two other guys have ink all over them and he has no ink on yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. He's
0: like perfect child. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like, well, what are the characters in, like, other books can you think of that, like, remind you of Rob a little bit? Like, well, obviously the first book I think of is Harry Potter. Kind of like... Oh, uh, are you kidding me? Bill, Bill Weasley.
1: Bill Weasley, know what really? I'm saying? Really? You know what I'm saying? He's, everyone's, like, he's the coolest guy ever,
0: and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, a little bit. And, and, like... I just don't think I can get enough, you know, enough of Bill Weasley. Okay. I don't, I mean, I'm just, go ahead, go ahead, continue with your illustration. Oh, there's no more. Oh, Okay. Sorry, another example. No, not really. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I was kind of yeah. put on the spot there. Yeah, I don't know. I just think I I can picture like this character really well though. I think that it's drawn in that way. So Johnny Tremaine, he can't find a job. You know, this is before I think the the scene that me and Matthew just kind of laughed about. He goes. So Johnny Tremaine, he's actually related to this uber wealthy family in Boston. So he goes to the lights, which is their name for a refuge, and his mom who died, she's related to the lights, and he told, she tells him never to go to the lights except if you're at their lowest point. So he thinks, I'm at my lowest point. So he goes, and he presents his token that says, I'm a light, and the Mr. Light has him arrested for stealing. So, first of all, this wasn't really thought out well by his mother, was it? Like, oh, he has a cup, so naturally they're going to accept him. Like, that's something how it should have ended make it'll make fun of. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, I think this needs a little more explaining. So,
1: basically, he his mom right. brings him to this place to get indentured um and learn how to be a silversmith. She gives him this cup right. that like is a light family heirloom cup thingy and um so she tells him if he's ever at his lowest point or ever like is desperately needing of money or food or anything then to go to the lights show them Take the cup them. and they'll give him some food because or you know give him some wealth because he's a light. And but um it's So the guy, Mr. Mr. Light, had five of these cups, but he, He no, he had five, or there were five in existence. He had four. Okay, so there was six in existence. He had five, and then like the October before, one of them had been stolen. So when he comes in and shows him the cup, he gets arrested because uh, Mr. Light thinks he stole the cup just to come back and try to get wealth.
0: So, Johnny, was he at his lowest point? Should he have gone to the lights? I mean, yeah. So, yeah.
1: since we had met him at the beginning of the book, I think that was his lowest point. When he literally slept in a graveyard. <laughs> the night before.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. Wait. When you need, when you, when, you, when somebody sleeps in a graveyard, you're like, yep, they're at their lowest point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't. yeah. No, they're definitely at the lowest point. All right. All right. No more shout-outs. But. Oh, go ahead.
1: We will talk more about the lights. And that whole interesting part of the book next week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned.
0: So, donor shoutouts.
1: Donor shoutouts. So we've got quite a few now. So let's see. Let's see. So we got Cooper's grandpa Van Pappy, oldest donor. Super grateful. Thank you, Van Pappy. Um, We've got Isaiah's grandparents. So thank you again for that. Too bad. You couldn't hear Isaiah on this episode. You can bug him about that. <laughs> um, no. And then we got Isaiah's uncle, Sebi. Uh, thanks, Sebby. Okay, Lizzie, still one of our oldest donors again. Um,
0: and uh, my grandma, Nana. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Matthew, uh, how, if someone wanted a donor shout-out, what well, would they, they do? They would have
1: to go to patreon.com forward slash book in it and um, click on any of our four different uh, – Donor t- tiers, uh, and all four of them include a donor shout out That's among right. other benefits.
0: That's right. Now, what are the, some of the other benefits, Matthew?
1: So, for example, you can get a merchandise item every three months for $20 a month. For $10 a month, you can listen to an exclusive episode every, every month? single month. That's right which we did the giver last month you'll have access to that if you donate and we're doing giver part two this month and then after that we've got some special books for you guys yep and then for fifty dollars a month you can choose a book slash series that we do um once a year
0: you can't donate for whatever reason please go to your favorite podcasting app and give a review for us we'd really appreciate it and goes a long way and uh just helping us continue to be able to make these for you guys so Without further ado, we'll see you next week. Yeah,
1: keep on booking it.